Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Hits Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and uh, despite what the intro said, we are not going to have a coach's corner tonight. Um, didn't have time to edit that out, so uh, my apologies. Uh, I've given the, the panel uh, the evening off, and I'm actually very excited to, ha- to actually welcome three special guests this evening to the show, uh, two here in just a moment, and then a little bit later on, uh, I've got a uh, reschedule from last week. So um, let me introduce the guys uh, that are coming on first. Uh, we're going to be uh, speaking with uh, Adam Geisler. He is the co-founder and CEO of Youth Athletics United, as well as TGM Premier Sports. And joining him is also Dave Robinson, who is an owner and a chapter director at TGA Premier Sports and TGA Golf. So, gentlemen, welcome to Golf Talk Live. Thanks Thank you, for Dad. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you guys, and um, let me just say my apologies. I know you guys, I believe, were scheduled back in July, if I'm not mistaken. I think you were actually scheduled before, and then we had to, to make some changes, and then uh, you guys were scheduled, I believe it was in July, it might have been August, I'm not sure now off the top of my head, and I ended up coming down with a with a bug and, and had to actually cancel uh, pretty much last minute, so I apologize for that. But your guys are here now, and we're going to jump right into things, so... Um, Adam, I'm going to start with you, if you don't mind, and then Dave, I'll I'll bring you in as well. Um, One of the things that I want to talk about is, Adam, is you've had a goal for, I guess, for a while of really creating uh, a a large youth sports franchise platform. Um, You're obviously involved and one of the creators of of the other organization that I mentioned. Yes, thank you. I'm having a a brain cramp this morning. And then obviously now uh, TGA Premier Sport. So give us an idea first how you got involved in that because your background is actually a little bit different. Um, When I look at some of the the notes here and that, um, you've actually been around sports, uh, but you were also in uh, uh, lifestyle and brands and and so forth, which you developed uh, Everlast and then also another one uh, called Mission. Uh, which was very, very, and has been very, very successful in merchandising and so forth. So, what prompted you to uh, first be uh, co-founded Youth Athletics United? Talk about that first, and then how TGA Premier Sports sort of came into the fold. Yeah, um, listen, I, I appreciate it, and thank you for having uh, both Dave and I to tell our story. I mean, you know, for for us, we 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 kind of operate every day of, of how do we positively impact kids through sports. And, and that's kind of, you know, that, that's in our DNA every single day. And so for me, 
you know, I've been in, in various um, roles uh, throughout my life. Been, I've fortunately been very mm-hmm. successful in many of them. Uh, but I've been in the sporting goods world for tw- probably 20-plus years with various brands and companies. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for me personally, I always had a passion. Um, I was very passionate about business and, and impacting. Um, you know, I'm, I, I always say I'm, I'm very commercial. And I wanted to tie that to also having a social impact. And so for me, I always grew up in sports. Uh, I grew up in Texas where, um, you know, you're playing sports right out of the womb. Um, but what I never had is nobody ever taught me the fun, uh, how to have fun with sports and also the basic fundamentals of sports. You know, everything was so serious and you just kind of got right. thrown out into the mix, right? And you're, you're thrown mm-hmm. on the football field, the basketball court, the soccer field, and you kind of have to learn your way through it. And it forces you, if you are not as um, talented or maybe don't have the same upbringing or, or resources, um, to, to kind of lose out. You know, you lose it on those special moments or even that confidence to really unleash that inner athlete. And so we had this vision of what if we could, you know, grow the game um, of golf, tennis, sports, soccer, you know, all these different, these mm-hmm. great, great sports that we all grow up on it, but do it at the beginning. Let's be the first sport experience. And I, I say to people all the time when we talk about it, you know, we, that's what we want to be, that first sport experience. And it's a big opportunity and a big responsibility. If we are your first golf class, your first golf experience, and it's mm-hmm. not good, it's not fun, you may not want to play golf again, certainly at those ages. Right. But if it is, if, if you're in Dave Robinson's class in Detroit and you are having a great <laughs> experience, which all of them are, that we've got that kid and the impact that you can have on those kids. And Dave will tell much better stories than I as kind of a franchise owner for, for all these years of watching these kids grow from six and seven, just from learning how to hold a club and swing a club in right. a gymnasium, not on a golf course, right? How do we give those basic, basic fundamentals? And when you do that for a kid, you're, you're giving them such amazing confidence and you're also teaching them life skills, and we talk about that, right? How do we give them that confidence and that physical literacy and the ability to, to, to understand that if you teach these basic fundamentals, anybody can play, and that's what we really love about golf. Anybody can play golf, right? There's no limiter, yeah, but to have the confidence and feel really good about yourself, that's what really, really important. But we also talk about these life skills, and Dave will talk about it um, really, really well in terms of its application. But, you know, golf has this great, have these great, you know, rules and etiquette about it. And, and so it's really interesting to see um, and teach these kids all those basic fundamentals of how to listen, how to be respectful, how to be a partner on the course and all those different things. And they really translate into life. And so if we can take that, do that in golf, do that in soccer and do it in tennis and do it in these other sports, man, you know, we certainly, there, there certainly could be a, a financial reward at the end of it, but who cares? The social impact. We want to impact a million kids a year through our platform. We're at about 250 today, and we feel great about it. But we want to get to a million kids impacted through our businesses. And if we can do that, we'll teach you the fun fundamentals and really give these kids that confidence and that life skills and use golf as one of our, our primary platforms. What an opportunity. And, and, you know, you wake up every day and you don't have a job anymore, right? You're, you're, you just you have right. a lifestyle. And that's what I wanted, and that's what, you know, a lot of the partners that I work with, with Dave and a lot of other franchisees, that, that's what we all want, and we love what we do. Yeah, and you raise such a great point. Uh, you know, I've been in golf uh, pretty much all my life, but I've been a teacher professional for probably pushing 30 years now. And, you know, I, I love doing what I do, and obviously now I'm more into the media side of things um, with a lot of different projects. And I also happen to own 
uh, over the last couple of years picked up Golf Tips magazine. So now I'm also into the publishing a little bit as well. So I've got my, my prongs in there. But you, you raise a very valid point, and I want to just touch, touch on something real quick, and then, Dave, I'm going to bring you into the, to the conversation as well, is you know, you're right in the sense that I, I think that what, if anything, out of this last couple of years through this pandemic, a lot of people have really come out into golf that had never been there before, um, didn't go through junior golf programs, what have you, and they were just looking for something to have fun. And I think that's something that has been, had been lost for a long time, and that's why I really appreciate what it is that you guys do. And so I think that you know, if we can make it fun and start early as well, you know, there's so many, as you mentioned, some of the other sports, they begin very, very early in a lot of programs in school and so forth. Uh, but golf was something, unless you were sort of born into a family that played golf or, or really showed an aptitude for it and got into some sort of a junior program, you really weren't exposed to it, much like some of the other sports that you mentioned. So I think it's really important that if we can get them young and show them how much fun it can be, um, you know, sky's the limit. And whether they ever play on the, the PGA or the LPGA Tour is really irrelevant as long as they're going out there and having a good time. And, Dave, I want to come to you because your story is kind of interesting uh, in its own right. You know, you were for 32-plus years, uh, you were a newspaper editor, uh, including 22 at the Detroit Free Press. So that's kind of a, a little bit different uh, application, if you will, from what you're doing now. So how did you go from an editor – uh, with uh, obviously major newspapers to coming to do what you're doing now? Well, it was uh, what happened was, I mean, I, I figured I was going to be a newspaper editor all my life. Um, and in 2007, um, the, well, it actually what happened in 2005, I was working for the Detroit Free Press, and which was a Knight Ritter newspaper. And I had a great career with Knight Ritter. I first worked for the Miami Herald and had some great bosses. And, and in 2005, we were sold to, to Annette, a different company. And I stayed uh, for two years. It was still, uh, I said, same job, same salary, but it wasn't quite the same. And um, at the time, the, the newspaper industry is kind of falling apart, at least the print part of the business. Right. And they announced a buyout program where, you know, you, and you get a year of pay and a year of health care. And I was one of the people who was supposed to kind of manage this program and figure out how we were going to reduce staff. And I kind of stunned everybody by taking the buyout myself. I kind of thought, okay, my son has already graduated from college. My daughter was a junior in college. And I said, my costs are going way down. I'm like, I'm going to do this. So I mm -hmm. took a buyout and started exploring new careers. And, and I was always, and I decided to look at some golf jobs. I, I've always been a passionate golfer. Um, I started playing when I was about 10, played on my high school team. I even played on my freshman team in college. I was not good enough to play a varsity team in college. But, um, but I was always very passionate about it. I wrote about golf early in my career and, and coordinated coverage of the Ryder Cup at, in 2004 at Oakland Hills when I was at the Free Press. So I've always loved golf, and I've always loved working with kids. I coached my kids' Little League baseball teams and, and had been a coach, you know, even as a summer job in high school and college. So – as I was looking for things, at first I found PGA, and I first thought, I can't have a job with no salary and no benefits. But as I started looking around, I said, well, no, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to run my own business. I want to be an entrepreneur. And so I purchased a TGA franchise, you know, about six months after I took the buyout in the middle of 2008 and started golf programs in Metro Detroit. And it started off pretty small. 
um, but I was just in, in Macomb County in the Gross Points. And then uh, very quickly, I ended up purchasing Oakland County from a previous owner. And then mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years later, I uh, acquired Wayne County. So I now have the, the entire Detroit metro area. Um, and it's grown quite a bit. I mean, this year we're going to have about 3,700 kids in our various programs. We have we had a, wow. a, we had our best camps ever. We had 1,174 summer campers. But then we we also have after school enrichment programs in the fall, winter, and spring, and that's a lot of kids. And then we have fall and spring leagues for our more advanced kids, and we have parent-child events and some summer tournaments. So we're a year-round program, both indoors and outdoors, and we'll, this year it will be a right still not quite through the year, but it'll be, a looks like, about 3,700 kids. Wow, that's fantastic. And I want to ask you something because you mentioned, you know, obviously after school and that, you know, for it seemed like for, for a number of years, um, you know, a lot of our after-school programs, um, even school uh, based programs seem to sort of fall by the wayside, and a lot of kids were really yearning uh, for something to do. Um, did you notice that sort of TGA uh, and your involvement, uh, Dave? And I'm sticking with you for a second. That this really has helped fill a void in your area and your communities, um, because a lot of other programs. Now, you know, Michigan's obviously a big state. There's a lot of football and, and other things going on that. But for a lot of the after-school programs, kids were really kind of wavering. I've noticed in other areas of the United States as well, and even in Canada, um, really yearning for something. Did you notice that when you became involved that kids were just really looking for something uh, to be a part of? Because this is, as a kid, you know, when, when we were growing up, you know, we wanted that type of activity, some sort of sports to, to get out there and have fun and, and you know, sort of commiserate with, with our, our, our peers and so forth. Was that something that you noticed early on? Well, certainly early on. I mean, there was, there was obviously some interest in it. Some people are skeptical of how do you play golf in a gym, um, but it's right. actually a, a way to introduce kids to the game because we use these astroturf hitting mats and we have almost golf balls that are rubber that don't break things, but we do use real clubs. But as you know, golf can be a very frustrating game. But in a gym, yes. <laughs> you know, you get the ball in the air, you make some contact, you build some confidence, and you know, and it. it but it did take a while for us to build um, the the number of kids per class. So there there was interest, sure. but obviously you got to work hard at you know each one of these programs. You really marketing just to a specific school, but actually the pandemic clearly, you know, we lost about a thousand kids in spring of 2020 where all the programs had to be canceled. And then we came back, you know, a little bit in the fall of, of 2020 and then the winter of 2021. But as we started, as more schools started um, getting enrichment programs back, the demand has been incredible. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's still, we probably don't have quite as many schools as we did in 2019 before the pandemic, but we have more kids per class and tons of people on wait lists. And I think, you know, there was such a surge in popularity um, because golf always had social distancing and was safe and was outdoors. And and we also started after COVID uh, more outdoor programs, at least in the fall and spring In the winter, we can't do that here, as you know, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's, there has been a real surge of interest, I think, especially since the pandemic. 
Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And we obviously in, in the golf industry in general noticed a huge uptick. I mean, probably 34, mm -hmm. uh, 30 to 40%. And uh, especially in the young female category, a lot of young girls really seem to gravitate uh, to golf. In fact, that's one of the largest growing demographics in the golf industry right now is young female um, players wanting to come in and, and learn the game. Adam, I'm going to come back to you. Um, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you obviously began with Youth Athletics United. Um, what was it about the TGA model that really appealed to you? And we're going to get into some specifics in a moment, but just generally, what was it about their particular model uh, that really appealed to you? Yeah, and so, so you know, at Youth Athletes United, kind of our biggest thing is we really focused on all the brands that we own are mm -hmm. class-based, curriculum-based, right? So everything is 30-minute sessions, 45-minute sessions, 60-minute sessions, and they're really about age and stage appropriate. And so, you know, as you go through, you look at TGA, both on the tennis and the golf side, specifically on the golf side, though, and you talk about even those 3,700 kids that Dave was mentioning – I mean, man, that's a lot of kids at a really young age who are learning the fundamentals of golf, right? And so we know right. it's easier to teach good habits than to change bad habits, mm -hmm. right? So if we can right. get them really early on and just enjoying golf for what it really is, right? To your point, Dave and I don't care if we create golf champions or tour players or whatever, although he's, he's got a couple that I think we'll get there to tell you about. <laughs> but we really right. care about our impact. And so – when he can look around, having done this for the number of years, and see and see and watch kids growing up, who some of them are even coaches at his at his classes. I mean, if it were students who are now coaches at his classes, teaching others, it's just we want to be a part of those businesses that that we always talk about this athlete pathway, right? And how can we really influence it? And so, so many people, um, I sp I think specifically on the business side, will go at the the highest the highest economic bracket of things, right? travel clubs and, and all these really um, high areas of influence, whether it's soccer, lacrosse, and, and baseball and some of these other areas where parents are spending a lot of money to get those kids into the best teams. And by the way, if you're not in those teams, you can't even try out for your high school teams. And TJ right. isn't about any of those things, right? We just care about if we're growing the game from the bottom up, that's really the most important influence. So it resonated with everything we've been doing for the last four and a half, five years. So it fit in really well. And also, you know, a lot of the brands or businesses that we own, super soccer stars, amazing athletes, they tend to start at the younger, younger ages, two through six, and where that first sport experience. Right. And TJ almost picks up where we leave off. You know, and there's this mm -hmm. big concept I just want to talk about for two more seconds. There's unintentional sure. play and intentional play. Unintentional play, and, and, and this great, great book and, and blog about the sports gene, um, but it's really about them just having fun, right? We're learning the fundamentals and giving exposure for kids to try so many different things. And then it's really at that six or seven age where you want intentional play. You want to expose your child to so many different sports that at six or seven, mm -hmm. they're making that decision on their own to say, this is mine. This is something I want to do. And TGA gives them that opportunity to say, okay, I've tried other things. Or maybe, you know, golf is something that attracts me. I've made that decision now to try golf. And I want to make this mine. And whether that becomes something I do in high school or beyond or just being able to do it with my family. I mean, the parent-child tournaments that Dave and our franchisees do is unbelievable. But I just know I didn't have that at my age. I didn't really play golf right. until college. I kind of picked it up, and I messed around. And next thing I know, you know, after college, like, I'm playing golf with my dad and my brother. And I'm like, well, why wasn't I doing this at a younger age? And TGA gives us those opportunities, TGA Junior Golf. And that's, I mean, we, we love that. 
Yeah, and, and again, you, you raise another great point. I have a very good friend of mine in the golf business, and he actually did um, uh, in, in one of the schools in his area, and he did a, a, a speaking engagement. And what the really sad part was is he talked to them about golf and asked them a question, you know, how many of you, you know, play or have ever played? And there was roughly about 100 students, and virtually no one raised their hand. Um, because not because they didn't want to, but they weren't really exposed to it. And what I really like about TGA is you guys are, are really focusing on, um, again, at that very early stage, uh, sort of providing that introductory and, and recreational golf. And, and the other thing, too, which has always been sort of the nemesis of, of my industry, meaning the golf industry, is it was always limited to golf courses and obviously you know country clubs and things like that. But you guys actually have gotten right into the school systems. You're playing at you know using the parks and the recreation uh, facilities and so forth. And what's re again what's also interesting is is the expansion that's happened. And I'm going to get you in on this as well, Dave. But uh, Adam, I want to stick with you just for a second. Talk about that the importance of really meeting them where they're at instead of forcing them. I mean, obviously at some point later in their uh, life, and I'm talking about the, the folks that you're working with, the youngsters, um, hopefully they're going to, as you have, Adam, sort of take up uh, golf and maybe pursue it in whatever fashion they decide. Um, but how important is it to sort of meet them where they're at? Because typically a lot of kids don't get access to a country club or even a golf course in many cases. So how important is that TGA model uh, really to, to sort of spark that, uh, that beginning uh, introductory interest? Well, it's beyond. And so, you know, we, we say in our business, you know, if you're not within 15 minutes of the consumer, um, mm -hmm. it, it impacts your enrollment tremendously, right? So if we're running a class and Dave's running at a parks and rec and it's, he, he's got a 15, 15 mile radius where he can really pick up consumers, right? And so if you think right. about that and then you distill it down to the school, well, they're there. And so I don't have to worry mm -hmm. about, you know, whether my parent can take me or not take me or decided, you know, to, to do the drop-off or pick-up, you know, at, at a golf course, I'm at school, and so now I have access to, to, to learning golf and in gymnasium. I can't, it doesn't even make sense to me. How can I do that? And when you really start going through, again, the, the, the gasp and the grip and the stance and the hot dog and about all the different things that, that we do, which is really, really fun, um, mm -hmm. to your point, we're meeting them where they are, and so we're not giving them – we're eliminating a lot of roadblocks and excuses, and for the most part, we're getting access to kids that we wouldn't normally get and impact the kids that we wouldn't normally get. So I think the genius of, you know, what the founder, Josh Jacobs, really came up with and all right. these great franchisees and, and developing it is, is exactly what you said. Meet them where they are physically, and then the curriculum meets, meets them where they are mentally, you know, because you get a smattering of kids. You know, some kids are just doing it because it's an hour that, they, that they're there and they don't have to go home. But right. once they hit that ball, once they get that feeling and they get that bounce and that swing, you might get them hooked. And again, Dave has many more testaments to, to how, how he's seen it happen over, over the years, but it's awesome to watch. It's awesome to watch. And so meeting where they are is, is everything. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. So Dave, I'm going to get you to step in now. Talk about some of the programs that you're utilizing uh, in, in your chapter, um, obviously, you're following a, a model that TGA has sort of put forth, and, and you mentioned uh, uh, Adam Joshua, who I've actually interviewed on the program a number of times, um, who, of course, was the founder of TGA Premier Sports. But Dave, talk about some of the things. I mean, you know, they, they offer, you know, golf enrichment programs. Maybe touch a little bit on that. 
um, basically what goes on there for people that are listening to the show that maybe their kids are not involved currently uh, in that. And then, um, Adam, I'm going to come back to you for, for some follow-up questions as well. But Dave, maybe you could just touch on this, some of the different programs that, uh, uh, that you're currently offering. So our enrichment programs, most of them are right after school on the school campus. And as Adam said, it's, it's ideal for parents because, you know, if school ends at 335, the class will start at 340, and the parents will pick them up at 440. So the parents get an extra hour, and, don't, and the kids right. are right there. And we will do, <laughs> right. do these programs either in the school gym or on a school field. And we'll typically have a sold-out class would be 18 kids, and we'll have three instructors, a lead instructor who's an adult, um, and two assistant coaches, um, often high school students, but also the assistants could be adults or, or retired people too. But we, are, mm-hmm. we, we do employ a lot of high school golfers, both boys and girls, to be our assistant coaches. And what will happen with these 18 kids is we will split them into three groups. We'll do some introduction and we'll do some stretches and get the whole group going. But then very quickly we'll split into three stations and there'll be like a, a, a full swing station where there'll be six hitting mats and um, kids will be learning all the fundamentals, grip, aim, stance, posture, and hitting full swings. And there'll be another putting station that one of the assistants is running. And typically our third station, we do chipping, we do a kind of a combination of chipping and rules and etiquette. So if it's if they've got 15 minutes at that station, they'll have seven or eight minutes of chipping, seven or eight minutes of rules and etiquette, where we have a map of a golf course of three holes, just three holes on a golf course where we can teach everything about the parts of a golf course. They learn about a tee box, fairway, green, bunkers. Why is there a deer on our course? You know, is it better to ride right. a cart or walk? <laughs> right. And we also have did some flashcards to do some fun games about rules and etiquette, including, and it brings in some academic concepts too, you know, how to keep score. Um, we talk about the loft of the club and, and there's some scientific things there. So it's a, they're going through, these kids are, are rotating through these three stations and it's, you know, very fast paced. And then, and then toward the end of the class, we, we might have time for a little game or contest or at least a quick review. And, um, and then, uh, and then at the end of class, actually the beginning and end of class, although it's been complicated a little bit by COVID, of course, we do what golfers do at the beginning or at the end of a round, which is shake hands, introduce yourself at the beginning, mm-hmm. and at the end, shake hands and say, nice round. And so that's part of the sportsmanship of the game. Um, and some, sometimes during COVID, we would just do a fist bump or a high five or or just introduce sure. yourself with them. But, but, but the same concept. So we're in an hour they're learning they're learning full swing they're learning chipping they're learning putting they're learning rules and etiquette they're learning some character development components um and and these are like six-week classes and they'll build on their skills throughout the six weeks and you know do use different clubs and different swings as we go forward and our last class is always like what we call the golf olympics where we have a competition Uh, it's like a drive chip and putt competition and they'll they'll then get their awards everyone who gets a hat clip um and uh, a handout uh and then of course some of the kids who win the golf olympics will get something special but it's a it's a really good fast-paced uh safe and uh fun way to learn the game with very little pressure and then after and, and then kids can do sometimes kids go through we have these levels 
where they can get mm-hmm. a yellow level hat clip and then advance to get an orange, red, blue, and black. So some kids go through four or five or even more sessions of after school, but those who really get serious about it can can advance through our um, programs like summer camps where we're on golf courses. And those who have got more experience on golf courses will be in our fall and spring leagues that are competitive or our summer tournaments. And And again, we're still, even the summer tournaments, we brand ourselves as the introductory model. We're giving them their first competitive experience. But then I will talk to parents about some of the bigger events like the golf association of Michigan events or uh, tour or some other junior tours for the kids who really are ready for, for more advanced competition. Ours are all nine hole tournaments on shorter courses. Um, and, and we always encourage parents to caddy for the kids and we provide a high school student who's like a scorer rules official. So it's a great introduction to competition. So all of these things are, among our programs, but the, the biggest ones are these after-school enrichment classes and our summer camps. Yeah, and, and, and again, it's so important to have something in place, a, a really well-put-together program. And I like the fact that, again, because we know that, that golf is a, is a very uh, individual sport, and I like the fact that you do offer various levels, depending on what they want, and they're able to go through it at a pace that they're comfortable with. So as they feel like, hey, you know, I want to learn a little bit more, I want to get a little bit more advanced with my game, um, you know, they can move on to that next level. And, you know, they're rewarded in the sense of, of, you know, having that accomplishment. Something else that really caught my eye when I was looking, uh, you know, earlier on the uh, the website is the fact, Dave, that, um, that you guys provide the equipment. Uh, this has been a big issue in golf for a lot of people. A lot of youngsters don't have access uh, to equipment, so whatever you're using in your programs, um, you're providing that for them, so they don't feel left out. So that they're able to do it, um, they're not having to bring in any of their own stuff or their own equipment. You're providing that for them, correct? Correct. Uh, the after-school classes that each of our instructors comes with a huge black bag um, that has putters and irons and drivers and. We have three different sizes, orange, red, blue. We have right and left-handed clubs. It's all right there. And, of course, you're not, kids are not going to want to bring their clubs to school. But even sure. in the summer camp where kids do need a set of golf clubs for summer camp because they're going to be playing on the course, if, if a child does not have clubs, I provide a free loaner set for the week, no charge at all. Because it's really an important thing for us to, to, to take away any of the barriers to access. And so a lot of people – say, well, you know, I don't want to buy clubs because I'm not sure they're going to like it. So we just say, okay, clubs are free for the week. And um, and they take them home every day and they just return them, you know, on on Friday Friday afternoon. And and then we they can also then buy a brand new set from our website. Um, and and it's a great way to get to, to get kids exposed to it without having any of the pressure of having to go buy buy clubs. So we always provide the equipment. Yeah, and, and again, that's a great, really opportunity, um, you know, in this industry because, um, you know, Adam, I'm going to bring you back in now to talk about some of the other things. But this has been a real hurdle, I think, for a long time. And you know, there's some programs out there uh, outside of what you're doing um, that they can get very reasonably priced sets and things like that. But again, there's a lot of folks out there, a lot of, uh, especially during this day and age, with with uh, uh, costs and that being a little bit more um, prohibitive, if you will, we're seeing a lot of 
uh, parents just saying, you know, hey, I, I don't know if I can really afford that. But you guys have sort of found a way through a variety of different channels of making it so that it's inclusive for everybody. So regardless of what your financial circumstances might be, if you're somebody that can't afford clubs, not to worry, we've got you covered. And that's extremely important for our industry to be able to really truly grow the game. It has to be accessible for everybody regardless of what their uh, position might be. So I think that's extremely important, and I want to make sure that uh, I give credit where credit is due because that's, that's something that this industry has really needed to do a lot uh, for a long time, and you guys at TGA are, are doing that. Um, Adam, I want to and, Chad, reach let me out. For one Sorry. Another yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, we also do – we have um, TGA Sports Foundation, which is a 501c3, and people donate right. to that, and we do some fundraisers at our parent-child events. And we use those funds to uh, to provide scholarships for, for families who can't afford our programs. So anyone who qualifies for free or reduced lunch at school can attend our programs for half price. And I also do mm-hmm. a whole lot of half price scholarships for, um, for summer camp. So we are trying to remove as many barriers as we can. Yeah, and, and, and obviously just, we, and just add that one point. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sure. Go I was going to add to no, one other point Please. just with that, Dave, is, is our relationship with the uh, youth on course as well. I thought maybe you should add to that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Well, yeah, every, Dave, um, yeah, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, anyone who, who, anyone who signs up for any of our summer camps gets a free membership in youth on course, which is a pretty popular national program, and that allows um, kids to play golf at, at participating courses for $5 or less. So we work with youth on wow. course. To uh, to provide that um, that membership for all of our summer campers. Wow, Dave, where was this when we were growing up? <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, mean, I I had to sneak on a golf course when I was a kid because you know I couldn't afford the green fees at the time until I got a paper route. But anyways. Um, you know, and again, I don't want to belabor a point, but this is something. You know, I'm a big advocate of of really trying to move the needle for golf. Golf has has you know been a, a very uh, obviously a unique game, um, something that a lot of folks would love to have played, but it was just out of reach. And you know certainly all of the major organizations involved are starting to you know help to move that needle, uh, but we got a lot of work yet to do. And uh, you guys certainly have uh, put together something that is is making some major headways. And and, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that, Adam, with you, because this is really interesting. I remember I very early on in the process, I interviewed Joshua Jacobs uh, about TGA when things were really first uh, starting up. And, you know, pretty much uh, Premier Sports was launched uh, back in 03 and and just covered a few uh, area Los Angeles uh, uh, elementary schools and was very... uh, I don't want to say bare bones, but very, uh, you know, uh, small in its thing. Now you guys have, have gotten to a point where, uh, you know, you're, you're reaching, uh, you know, over 825,000 kids and growing and expecting to, to get above that million uh, nationwide. You're across 77 markets, 23 states, including Washington, D.C., and even uh, expanded up in, in Canada. Um, uh, obviously, your long term is, is I'm assuming you want to get into all 50 states and, and certainly more of the Canadian market. Um, talk about that a little bit, um, what you see as a future expansion. Talk about the franchising a little bit for those that might be listening that say, hey, this is something I might want to get involved, uh, as Dave did, 
um, regardless of what industry they may be in. And then also, is there thoughts of maybe even at some point, uh, if not already, looking at maybe even in Europe uh, in some of the markets over there? Uh, Adam, go ahead and just sort of touch on some of the things I just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, listen, again, as you, as you talk about the growth and where we want to grow, I think the most important thing is, is you know, conversation like this where people understand that we're growing the game, right? And so if you care about golf, and you talked about wishing to have this as a kid, I, I mean, all three of us, I think, feel the same way. If, if we mm-hmm. truly believe that we're growing the game of golf, that, that's at its core. So if people want to be a part of that, that mission and that vision, that they, they should join us, right? They should join us. And then when they hear about the stories and, and when people like Dave get to talk about what they do and that they can actually make a living doing that. They don't have to be a PGA Tour pro or a PGA pro, excuse right. me, and, and work at a golf course. You can actually be meet them where they are and you can impact kids at that beginning level um, and really have this, this different journey and different impact on golf. And so if you care about growing the game, that's the story that, that we're out there preaching. And, you know, listen, the reason why, you know, Josh said, listen, I, want, I, I, need, I need you guys with me. Are you guys taking this on, this next step of the journey? Because PGA Junior Golf should be all over the country. And so being part of this youth franchise platform, we have the resources to really allow um, the TGA owners to do more than they ever could. Um, you know, we have different technology resources, whether it's registration platforms, learning platforms, um, all types of technology and, and sourcing and merchandising backgrounds to allow us to really scale this and let more of these owners uh, do more. And also, we always say we want less, more green time and less screen time. You know, we really take away a lot mm-hmm. of the admin work. We make it very easy for these franchise owners to operate and really impact um, at the grassroots level. And so we, we want more. And so we're, we're spending a lot of money um, really getting our, our story out there, our brand out there, and trying to attract more people that are interested in if, if they're passionate about golf and they want to grow, they get, grow a game of golf, and they want to impact kids, and they want to make a living doing it, owning their own business, as Dave said. Like, he, I mean, he was a rock star with the Joy Free Pest, but he also said, I, I, I want to go it on my own, and this is what I want to do. If that's what people want to do, that's what TGA Junior Golf will allow them to do, and we just want more people to join us. And so that is how we will impact more and more kids across this country. I do think North of Border in Canada is a huge opportunity, and you know, we, have, uh, we had a franchisee there, um, we're really looking to grow there. And listen, Europe certainly could be a big opportunity for us. I think we still have a lot more headway to make here um, sure. domestically. But there's no question this game and what we do love about it is, it, and similar to soccer and you know, one of the other brands that we're in, they are global sports, right? Tennis, right. golf, soccer are global sports. So we have opportunities as we continue to build our infrastructure. If people love it, if people have taken our program and they go abroad, they want to go run this franchise abroad, we'd be all for it. Um, so I think, you know, that, that's really the point. And I want to just go back to one other point that you, were, you more or less touched on with Dave, and that is that we are creating excellent golfers out of this program. And, you know, there's these pressures that we, that we see parents put on their kids or even on themselves if they want their kids to be excellent or professionals. And, you know, it's hard when you've got – somebody like Tiger Woods and he's, you know, he's out there with, right. with his young son and you're like, well, what is my son doing or daughter doing in order to compete and be at that level? And, and again, some of those best golfers that we're seeing and the ones that we're really growing, they got there on their own and they had a lot of fun mm-hmm. doing it. So we're aligned with anybody. And I, I would tell you, many of our, many of our owners have golfers that they would put next to many of the elite, the elite up and coming golfers out there. 
but the way we did it was different. And what it does is, and we see this in not only golf, but soccer and tennis and, and the other sports that we're involved in, is if you give them that opportunity, a great coach, a great experience, they'll stay in the sport longer. We will have more yeah. players. We will have more activity in this game if we make it fun and we really focus on doing it from the bottom up. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. And, you know, I think one of the, the issues with sort of the traditional junior programs that we've had in the past is exactly the point you made, is is that it, it's there is so much pressure put on these youngsters uh, from a very early age that a lot of them end up dropping out um, or get burnt out, whatever the case may be, because they're not having fun. Um, I, I also, in addition to this program, host another one on Tuesday mornings, and we... Um, have had the pleasure, uh, now Epson Tour used to be the Symmetra, but um, get to interview a lot of the winners. And one of the things that was really interesting a few years ago is that we had several winners in a row, first-time winners, uh, that had never won a professional event before um, and had really been struggling. And they said the exact same thing that you said, uh, Adam and, and Dave as well touched on, and that is once they sort of came to the realization that, you know, yeah, it's a game and you have to get out there and grind and you're competing against some of the other uh, top players. But once they recognize that, you know what, I'm here to have fun as well, not just out here. It's not just a job, but I'm here to have fun as well. Yeah. I kid you not, and I'm not exaggerating, I think we had five in a row that came on, won their first event, and every one of them said the same thing, that when I just sort of let go of the, the pressure and just went out and had fun, I won the very next event, and they come on as winners on our program. So, uh, and I want to, before we continue on, I want to read something out. Um, I'm on the website right now, and I want to read this out because I think it's extremely important. goes to what we're talking about. And this is by, I'm going to give her name, uh, Mary Thompson, uh, who is a TGA customer. And she said, the instructors really tailored the program to young kids. There was a lot of instruction and technique, but they made it so fun. My daughter learned so much. Some kids' programs are either too fun not enough learning, or too strict, not enough fun. This program struck the balance exactly right. You can't ask for a better testimonial than that. Um, she's basically <laughs> making the point that we're talking about right now, is you, you have to have both. You have to teach them, the uh, you know, as you guys talked about earlier, you've got to teach them the fundamentals. You've got to teach them about, uh, you know, developing, uh, you know, a, a good rapport while you're out in the golf course and, and you know, as, you, as we used to say, mind your P's and Q's, so to speak, but you do it in a professional way and, and act like you know, you know, young men and women. Um, but you need to also make it so that it's fun and it's interesting, so that they want to stay engaged. And that's something that's sometimes you know, as well-intended as some other industries have, have tried to do. Um, when you eliminate that fun and you make it too much uh, performance-driven, um, I don't care who you are, even I'm sure Tiger had to have some fun in his game earlier on uh, to get to where he did. Um, and, and Adam, I want to stick with you for a second, and then Dave, I'm going to come back. Um, there are a lot of different things. D Dave touched on a number of different things. Uh, you obviously offer leagues, uh, which is some uh, friendly competition. Uh, you also have camps, and, and Adam, feel free when I'm done uh, to, to expand on any of those. Uh, but you also other, uh, offer some other ways uh, to play golf with TGA. So maybe just touch on a few of the other programs that are being run uh, a little bit and then uh, maybe some of the other programs uh, that are also being offered, uh, such as your youth golf clinics. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think, you know, everything it has a real intention, right? So we talk about, you know, during the school year, we really want to give them that educational piece, right? And so we're doing everything in, in, the, in that gymnasium. Um, and those are those beginning classes. And then we always talk about the key to that is, 
when you when we get them there, we've got them hooked. We want to transition them out of the classroom or out of the gym onto the course, right? And that's where we're really running camps and clinics. And we really want them to have a bit more of that next level golf experience. Bring them out, teach them how to drive, teach them how to chip, teach them how to putt. And you're, you're doing all those things as a buildup until we get them on the course. And so you know, the, the business is not that complex in kind of those, those during the year stages. And then I think as Dave really tested to, a good, almost 50%, 60% of our revenue comes from summer camps. And that's where these kids, have, they have a lot of options out there. There's a lot of things for them to decide to do. And we make it a priority that we're going to take them for week, weeks or multiple weeks or the whole summer to take them through golf camps, take them on the course for the first time, let them hold their bag, really let them walk around and really get an understanding of what's going on. And so, I mean, I, I, I spent two full days, and believe me, Dave put me to work, um, watching all of his <laughs> camps, watching all of his classes. And, I mean, we had a blast, but it was so fun watching these kids. And luckily, I got to see them a little bit towards the end. You know, so they had four or five days. But four or five days of a kid learning those core basics, learning the etiquette, and then some of them, their first time ever playing three, five, or, or, or six holes. And it was awesome watching them, you know, hit off the tee and watching their ball and, and, and just having some of those first, first experiences in golf. And so the business is not that complicated. You know, it's very good. It's very, it's very simple. But I do think the other pieces, when we find those kids and when we really start to build, you know, we do want to take the best of class in terms of the students and the coaches, and we do take them into leagues. Um, and a lot of our franchisees across the countries have been doing that. And, again, I think our leagues are just – and you said it earlier, we do kind of focus in on that recreational golf. They're still competitive. You know, there's still some really, really talented people, but we want to make it fun. We want to make it convenient um, and we, to the parents and to the kids and give them just enough where they feel, you know, a little bit of the pressure of what it's like to actually be in a game or in a tournament um, or in a match, excuse me, but also, you know, but not so much that it's all about winning and that they feel like they feel exhausted or defeated that they didn't get to where they want to go. And so, you know, we really have that player pathway from the class to on course to then literally running and, and running a full camp or running a league and, and people going through that full experience. And think about the impact that we have. You know, the sport had grown 30% to your point you made earlier during the pandemic. Think right. about the impact we could have if we just keep doing this more and more across the country. It'll just be mm -hmm. so good. And, you know, we, we parallel to a lot of the businesses that we have now. You think about soccer. We talk about it all the time. You know, all these things, they all connect in some way. You know, that first sport experience for most kids is you see that butterfly soccer, right? They're all just floating around the soccer ball. But if you teach them those, right. those, those skills, you get them a little bit educated on the game, and then you throw them into that game, they're going to be much better players. And, and that's, that same philosophy carries through to golf. And we also do run that same parallel philosophy to tennis. Um, and we also give kids access to other sports. You know, we find baseball and golf tend to connect really, really well. Um, we've seen a lot right. of the the young golfers that we have are also in baseball, very similar mechanics, kind of the stick and ball sports. And so, you know, as long as we continue to feed them with those options and those life building skills and sports skills, we just we we tend to grow in both them and ourselves, and and we enjoy it. Yeah, and, and you know, kudos to you and and all that involved for for really what you're doing. Um, you know, a lot of people have said that if we can just get golf in as one of the mainstream sports. I mean, even as big and as popular as through the tours and that, it's still not, as I mentioned earlier, it's still not as heavily integrated into, you know, our psyche, if you will, 
um, at the same level as other sports are. I mean, you go to most schools and, you know, there's baseball, basketball, you know, football, that sort of thing, many programs. But many of them still don't have any sort of a golf program or even even at what you're talking about. And I know that you're obviously rapidly growing, and, and that's a goal I'm sure you guys have is really to, to integrate that. And I think once we do, then golf is going to become very mainstream. And once it does that, I think you're going to see the accessibility even open up more. As more and more people get drawn to the game, I think you're going to see um, it even uh, open uh, the doors even wider um, throughout the whole industry, and, and that's a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Dave, I mentioned I wanted to come back to you, and and, and I, I kind of know the answer, but I, w- I want you to maybe expand uh, as we get ready to, to wrap things up here shortly. Um, you know, Obviously, you have specific goals as an owner and, and uh, director of your chapter, um, but what do you want at the end of the day? What's a win for you? Well, a win is kids smiling and enjoying the game. And um, one of the, frankly, one of the biggest wins that, that I have and one of the most inspiring things about running this program is I have now over 85 former students who are now assistant coaches. These are kids who started off, you know, six, seven, eight years old in our programs. And then once they get into high school and, and, and get on a high school uh, boys or girls golf team, I hire them to be assistant coaches. And there's so many of them now because I've done this for a while. Some of them right. are JV players who might shoot 95. Some of them, like Lauren Temp, are, she's the state champion. She won the state Division three championship by 14 strokes. And she, she started wow. off in our program as uh, – I think she was six or seven at St. Peter Lutheran at an after-school class, and then she went to four or five or six summer camp sessions. She played in parent-child events with her dad. Um, she played in our leagues and tournaments, just went through our entire pathway. And now she's only 15 years old, um, but she is an elite player who, who you know, has – she got to the quarterfinals of the Michigan Women's Am at the age of 13 – um, she's, you know, obviously one of the best high school players in the state, plays in AJJA events. So she is a, a mm-hmm. top-level player who really did start off in TGA. And then, again, uh, some of our other assistant coaches are just passionate about the game, love working with kids, and maybe their game is not at Lauren's level, but they're still really good at teaching the fundamentals to mm-hmm. elementary school kids. So it's great to be able to give so many young people their first job and and it's mm-hmm. a challenging job and a job that involves really giving back to the community. So that's that's been really gratifying. And again, though the the most the most important thing is just to see kids get that big smile on their face when they hit that ball in the air or hit that putt in the hole and really learn how to enjoy game, the game. And and I always emphasize how it is such an incredible lifelong game. I mean, you can play from four years old till well into your hundreds and um, right. And the summer have had a, a round with four generations in their family that some of these kids might've played with a parent, a grandparent and a great grandparent. And it's, it's really unusual. You know, I, I love tennis too. And I play tennis recreationally for exercise, but you know, if I play Tiger Woods or Rory McIlroy in golf, you know, even though I'm like a 10 handicap, I'm, I'm going to tie them or beat them on one hole. I mean, I, right. I at least one, you know, and, and that's a yep. pretty cool thing. Like 
if I play Rafi on the doll in tennis, there's no way I'm going to get a single serve back. I'm going to lose every single point. And I can only play <laughs> against about 1% of the world's population. That's exactly my speed. I can play golf with 100% of the world's population and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great – you know, I never really uh, – I have to remember that because I never really thought of that. You're exactly right because, you know, uh, Tiger pars holes, you can par a hole and, uh, and, exactly. and have some bragging rights. So, I mean, yeah, we're, yeah you're not going to – you're not going to do that in tennis or a lot of the other. Uh, you're certainly not going to lay up as well as, as Michael Jordan did or some of the more current uh, basketball stars as easily. But, yeah, you're right. It, it's a great point. Um, Adam, as, as we get ready to, to wrap up, I want to come back to you and give you an opportunity um, for the listeners that, that may be tuning in and, and have sort of sparked an interest not just necessarily to have their kids involved in the programs but maybe taking it to another level. Uh, maybe they're in a state that doesn't currently have this program and um, thinking, you know what, yeah, I've, I've got some money, I've got some resources, and this is something I might be interested in. How can they become a franchisee, and uh, what, what are some of the steps they need to do? Yeah, so visit us at playtga.com. You can get to see the program. We have all of our franchise links and info there. And essentially, you go, you look, you look you, you, we give you all the basic information. We give you a prospectus. You reach out to us. We set up a call. We walk you through exactly what the business looks like, um, how it operates, what you potentially could be getting into. Then we walk you through the the legal documentation of what it all looks like. Then we walk you through the financial discovery of this is what the investment looks like. It's a very low-cost investment to entry, very low barriers to to entry. And it's also a mobile business. So in the franchise space, you have a lot of different opportunities. Specifically in golf space, there's brick and mortar. Or there's mobile, mm-hmm. um, and so we are we are mobile. So it's very low cost in terms of your item seven, what you need to put down to get into this business. And we say the open rate, how fast you can open. You can be open and up and running in a TJ franchise in less than sixty days. Um, and so wow. we help you through all those things, and we also have amazing owners that anybody can talk to. So we only are as good as our reputation and our personal currency. Our franchisees can vouch for how great this business is. And listen, it's not easy every single day. Dave Dave can attest to it. Um, But at the end, if you love what you do, it's phenomenal. Um, So we give you all the access to all these great franchisees, these great stories. And if you join us, we're there every step of the way. Um, We're there to make you successful. We have a franchise success coach that takes you all the way through. And we just want to grow the game, get more – in life – when you find something that you love so much personally, the one thing you want to mm-hmm. do is get more, is give that to more people. And that's really the way we feel about, you know, TGA is we love what we're doing. We love, I mean, Dave, Dave is amazing. And we have, you know, 20 other, 40 other owners that are just as amazing as Dave. And so we, we want more of those um, in our life uh, to help impact more kids. And the TGA franchise, I think if you, if you're passionate about golf or golf and tennis or, or just tennis, excuse me, um, I think this is just an amazing, amazing opportunity for those individuals, and we'd love for them to join us and be part of the family, and we're there to help you all the way. Yeah, great, great way to end this. And, and just for the folks to, to know uh, as well, if you go to playtga.com, you can get all the information that the guys are talking about here. Um, we've been obviously focusing on golf because this is a golf show, but there are other sports as well that are available through the TGA programs. And, of course, TGA stands for Teach, Grow, and Achieve. Uh, which I think is something we can all do. And something else that's really, uh, that can be helpful as well for you listening and you want to find out if there's a program 
uh, or a, a model in your area, uh, they've got a locator, so you can just put in your zip code and you'll find out which specific programs are available in your area. So I suggest you do that if you're interested, if you've got some youngsters that might uh, be interested in some of the programs that we've talked about. And I know we just sort of glossed over a lot of things, so uh, go to playtga.com, get all of the information there. Uh, and if you're interested in maybe uh, getting more involved and maybe uh, looking into some of the franchising uh, opportunities as well, uh, that information is available, and I'm sure they'll be happy to, uh, once you reach out, to uh, have a conversation with you about how that uh, comes about. But, guys, thank you very much for uh, for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. I think you uh, have opened the eyes of a lot of folks out there. I really uh, applaud what you guys are doing. And uh, keep up the great work, and you're welcome to come back anytime uh, that you want to share some uh, some new things or some information going on at TGA. Uh, Dave and Adam, thank you for sharing your time uh, with my audience tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Our pleasure. All right. All right. Much continued success, guys. Thank you. All right. Good night. All right. That was uh, Adam Geisler and Dave Robinson uh, with uh, uh, TGA uh, Premier Sports and TGA Golf. Uh, uh, Adam, of course, uh, is one of the uh, uh, is the CEO of uh, Youth Athletics United and TGA Premier Sports, and Dave Robinson, of course, is one of the owners of one of the chapters and directors at uh, uh, up in the Michigan area. So, uh, if you're going to be up in that area or you live up in that area, that might be something uh, that you want to do. All right, uh, as I mentioned, I'm going to have three guests uh, tonight. Uh, those were the first two, and I'm going to be joined by my next guest. Uh, who was actually uh, rescheduled from last week, John Gowdy. He's going to be joining me. He's the uh, National Programs Director of the On Course Foundation. Uh, he's also a Army veteran. We're going to talk to him in just a moment. But first, we're going to take a quick message break from Golf Tips Magazine. We'll be right back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. I'm going to be joined here in just a moment by my uh, very special guest to wrap up uh, the end of the show, uh, John Gowdy. He, as I mentioned, is the National Programs Director of the Encore Foundation. But let me tell you a little bit about his background before we get into uh, our discussion this evening. Uh, he, uh, while serving, uh, as I mentioned, he was a veteran while serving in the Army in Afghanistan. Uh, he was a victim of, of multiple gunshots uh, through the chest and shoulder. Uh, as you can imagine, the pain was excruciating. Uh, his left leg was lost, and uh, lifting his right uh, arm was uh, next to impossible. Uh, many trips to the operating room replaced his fighting for freedom on the front lines. Uh, he's now, as I mentioned, the National Programs Director of the Encore Foundation, helping injured vets get in a better educational and physical headspace, uh, just like the organization that helped him. Uh, we're going to talk about their vision and some of the other things as well, and how golf has um, uh, sort of helped play a major role. So please welcome my very special guest this evening, John Gowdy. Good evening, John. Welcome to the show. Hey, good evening, Ted. How's it, how's it going? I'm doing very well. Let me ask you first, and I'm hoping I got this right. It is Gowdy, correct? 
Yes, sir. It is. Okay. The reason I asked, I have a friend I used to go to school with that last name was spelt the same way, and I thought, you know, uh, I'm sure that's how it was pronounced, but I thought I better just double-check. I should have checked before, but uh, you never know if some people spell and their name's the same but pronounced differently, so I'm glad I got it right first first go. So let's first talk a little bit about, before we get into the OnCourse Foundation and, and what's involved, um, obviously, as I mentioned, and, and let me just say this first, thank you very much for your service uh, to your country. Um, and I know that uh, it's something that uh, you know you're you're very proud of, and uh, but obviously it, it came with some costs. Describe a little bit. Obviously, we cannot imagine for those of us that have not gone through what you have, what you went through. We can just not imagine it. Um, but there was a point, obviously, where you made a decision that I'm going to move forward. I'm going to do something and. We'll talk about how Encore stepped up, but talk a little bit about, obviously, you had to have moments throughout the early process when you first were wounded and, and coming back where you just really were down in the dumps to say, not in a good headspace as, you, as we put it in the, the intro. Talk a little bit about that, if you wouldn't mind, first before we get into Encore. Of course. Um, so um, I got hurt in uh, April, two, April 25th, 2012. Uh, it was actually my injury date. Um, I woke mm-hmm. up at uh, Walter Reed, uh, you know, and kind of evaluating what what was going on. I woke up about, I don't know, May 1st, May 2nd, sometime in there. Um, during that time, you know, there was some hope that some things were going to happen, and then, you know, things didn't work out. Um, they came to me, and they said that they were going to, um, you know, they were basically going to amputate my left leg below the knee, and at mm-hmm. the time, they were going to um, take my arm at the shoulder, um, but I could still move my fingers. So, uh, you know, just trying to put them in there in 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 its place and 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 try to sort it out. Um, somehow, I found a way to try this experimental implant in my arm, and I got it approved. You know, and, did, and went through the process. Um, and they came in and put it in. So during that time, it. You know, I had a lot of time. I don't think I got out of bed for about four months. You know, so just laying in bed and a lot of TV, a lot of a lot of reflection. And um, then, I mean, the team and what I did in the military was was what I knew. Uh, my grandfather's mm-hmm. retired army. My stepdad was retired army. Um, and then being at being at group and then you know being where I was at, um, I didn't. I wasn't ready to leave. Um, so. You know, I I started working on getting back to that, and uh, kind of the proverbial carrot was I was telling myself I was going to make it back to my team. I was going to go back on the next deployment, um, and uh, I just started setting small goals. You know, just like you do in life. You know, um, get mm-hmm. out of bed one day. You know, and you and you start making obtainable goals, and that starts building momentum and just positivity and, and outlook. You know, uh, use the time. I use the time. Uh, in bed to start reflecting just on me, you know, so I've got the, mm-hmm. a, a better chance to know me. And, uh, you know, come December of 2012, I did a Tough Mudder down in Sarasota. I had about 90 guys come from uh, 7th Group, you know, my teammates and, and friends. And uh, I competed uh, down there, and I finished the uh, the entire 11.5-mile race with all the obstacles. Um, and I signed back in the group. Um, during that time, though, there was a lot of doubt, you know. 
uh, pain, right. injury. Um, you know, and I just had to keep telling myself I can do it. You have to set a goal. You know, I had, I had met all my other goals, and I wasn't going to let this beat me. Um, you know, I, I worked hard. I got back down to, you know, my playing size. I, I had gained some weight when I was in the hospital, obviously, not moving. Sure, <laughs> um, right. But, you know, by, uh, you know, so January 13, I signed back in the group. And by August, September of that year, I was down about 60 pounds, and I was back to uh, my normal size. And uh, I started jumping and, and, and training and doing stuff with the guys. And, uh, you know, I, 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 com- I, I completed the things I was told I needed to do to make it back. Um, and I found myself back in Afghanistan, 14, small trip, 15, and then another uh, full deployment in 16 um, with my prosthetic leg and my shoulder. You know, that was teaching myself to use uh, left hand, left eye. You know, a lot of things had to change. But the mental part was such an important part to me because, you know, if if you have any doubt in, in your abilities or yourself, um, it's going to just make it, you know, twice as hard. And there's one thing, you know, my, my dad was retired, uh, Greenberry also with uh, Fifth Group. Um, you know, if you, you – you, you can't be a liability, you know what I mean? Right. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to you have to stay in a positive uh, spot for that. Um, so I did those deployments and I was happy. Um, you know, uh, my body started feeling it now. I was a little over 40 at the time, uh, at the end of 16. And uh, I made a conscious decision just based on how I was feeling. You know, I'd gotten to go back three times. Now I get to leave on my own terms. Um, the opportunity right. came where they offered me early retirement. <laughs> that is where it got tough. Um, looking back, the rehab, the pain, and and the the drive to get back was the easy part. The hard part right. I was finding was when I decided to actually leave something that was more than just a job, but it was a life. Um, that is where you know, the stuff that you hear about, you know, um, the, the, the drinking, the depression, yep. um, all that stuff started coming in and it was starting to affect, uh, you know, my, my relationship with my wife. Um, I had a new sure. son, um, at the time. And, uh, at that point, um, probably at one of my lowest points, there was a guy from on force and, uh, he was a mentor of mine when I came in the group, um, close friend. I called him and I was upset, um, obviously. Um, you know, I'd been drinking and it, it was just a bad moment. Um, he flew from up in the Northeast. He flew down to uh, Florida where I was at and he was at my house the next day. And right. uh, he came down, you know, he started talking to me and, you know, he's listening, and, and he's like, I've never seen you like this, you know. Um, you know, spent, you know, 10 years on a team, you know. And uh, he's like, you should come try golf. And I said, I've never played in my life, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, ever. <laughs> now, I was an athlete. I, I um, you know, I was a varsity letterman uh, all four years in high school and in three sports, you know, football, wrestling, and baseball. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I. I loved it. You know, I was really doubtful. I'd never played golf. So they talked me into going to this uh, 
this clinic in Orlando, it was a seven day, and it was an introduction to golf, and they had about, I don't know, about 20 guys from Europe, injured vets from Europe, and had about 20 guys from the U.S. And a lot of these guys were already playing on the, you know, the, the Simpson Cup team or, or have or what or whatnot. And uh, I can tell you, Ted, I was absolutely horrible. <laughs> um, join the join the club. Know, I, my whole life, you know, I made things easy by rationalizing it down to the lowest common denominator. You know, why can't I? I've been an athlete my entire life and been good at pretty much anything that I've tried. Um, how can I not hit this white ball with a stick in a generally forward direction and no one's even throwing it at me? It's just sitting there. Right. And, um, yeah. and, and it, bo- it bothered me, you know. <laughs> well, um, let me – yeah, you know what's interesting? Let me just interject real quick here. You know, you're exactly right, and let me say welcome to the club. You know, I'm, I'm a teaching professional. I've taught for uh, nearly 30 years now, um, and uh, obviously I – you know, I do media uh, primarily now, but I've taught uh, mainly corporate for, for a number of years. And, you know, it's interesting how many people who have come from a variety of different backgrounds that had never played the game before, maybe they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond, and say the same things as what you just said. You know, I just don't get it. You know, I was pretty athletic in school and so on and so forth, and but uh, I just can't see, you know, figure out why I can't master this game. Well, the truth of the matter is the best players in the world can't master this game. They're always improving and always learning. I think the interesting thing about golf is it presents a set of challenges like no other. I mean, most people can, you know, uh, return a, a tennis serve, you know, if they're playing against somebody that's, you know, not, uh, you know, certainly in the in the professional leagues. But, uh, you know, most people can dribble a basketball. But golf is uniquely different because, again, the ball's not moving, but, you know, you've got to hit with a small little club head and, uh, you know, you're swinging at a pretty good clip. And I think what makes it unique for somebody like yourself is not only were you a varsity athlete, but you've had obviously extensive military training, and you're taught to overcome adversities. And I think by the sound of it, and please correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you looked at this as an adversity and saying to yourself, you know what, why can't I do this? Um, and I'm going to let you follow up on that. But essentially, was that what you at some point said to yourself, why can't I do this, knowing what I know about myself, what I'm able to do, what I'm you know, able to accomplish in so many other areas, Surely to God, this is one that I can at least, may not play on the PGA Tour, but I can maybe at least uh, give it a good whack around the golf course. Give me your thoughts. You're you're exactly right. Um, it bothered me so bad that, um, you know, I'm the goal, you know. And I'm watching these other guys that are missing leg, missing arm. Um, you know, even though mine's not, my right arm is not that functional, but I'm watching guys with one arm, you know, one arm and only one leg. And they're out there. And 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 they're hitting, you know, the ball twice as far as I am and twice as straight, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it it provided a unique challenge that I saw really fast. That um, you not only had to be in the right spot physically, but you had to be in the right spot mentally to actually absorb oh, what yes. you were trying to and what you were trying yep. to execute, which goes into a lot of the things that we did in the military, you know. Um, mm-hmm smooth as, you know, smooth as fast and fast as, you know what I mean? That whole thing, like, know it, you know, muscle memory, um, be in a routine, control your breathing, you, you know, understand yourself um, in, in the situation you're in 
um, to execute successfully, you know, and golf is no different, you know. What kind of lie do I have? What's the temperature doing? What's my mind like? What what am I doing? You know, am I am I am I anxious? Am I am I kind of you know kind of out of it? You know what I mean? Are you not motivated? Right. Enough? So all that kind of goes into effect. And um, so they're sitting there and they're watching me. And I had some unique issues, like you know, I have I have my arm. One's not that mm-hmm. functional. I can't get a drink with my right arm, and I'm a right-handed golfer, but. Um, I had from the gunshot wounds, I have extensive nerve damage in my hands. So I really can't feel my hands either. So there's another thing. Um, right. So they're constantly So I'm out there the first day. I'm frustrated. And the coach is there from the on course. Um, you know, and they had a bunch of other uh, coaches helping, you know, obviously with that number of people. And uh, they called over. Um, it was the guys out at the Marriott Grand Vista. They they called over um, Larry Ziegler that was there helping. Mm-hmm. You know, he's there in Orlando. And uh, they're like, we got the guy for you. Anger issues, can't hit the ball, right. <laughs> um, strong <laughs> as a house. Um, you know, and he's like, perfect. So he comes up to me and um, he goes, we're playing uh, Hawks Landing tomorrow. How many golf balls do you have? And I said, I don't have any. And I said, I don't have nothing. I, I didn't even have, like, golf shoes at the time like I went that night and bought like golf shoes <laughs> I mean because I didn't know you know so right he he's over and uh, he goes you're going to need all these you know you're going to need a lot of golf balls um so I show up and I don't know I got like a box of balls you know a dozen balls and uh the cheapest ones I could find because I know I'm going to leave them everywhere and he goes there's water all over this golf course so he he takes the den caddy and he fills the front of my rental bag full of balls from the rake. And he goes, he goes, you're going to use every one of these. I said, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> there's no way. <laughs> um, and if you've ever played Hawks Landing, there's a lot of water and it is very tight. Right. Um, um, and needs to say, I did lose the majority of them and I, I was defeated and I was upset, you know, and, and he never, he made it fun the whole time for me. Like he was keeping me in it. Um, we came back and he's like, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go to the range. I want to do this. You know, I was really trying to, I wanted to grind on, I wanted to figure this out like in a day, you know, this can't be hard. Um, and he goes, I want you to, he's like, I want you to go upstairs and rest. And, and he's like, meet me down here at six thirty. <laughs> so I do the, you know, six thirty the next morning and he has an empty golf bag and he takes all my, all my clubs, but a nine iron through my putter. And he goes, okay, first off, I just want to be upfront and honest so we know what we're starting at. He was like, you're absolutely horrible, and you have no business swinging anything longer than a nine iron right now. <laughs> you know, and he's joking. And it, was, and it was helpful, right? So right. the next, like, three, four days, um, that's what I played off of. You know, I would hit nine iron off tee shots. And, you know, they gave me a made-up handicap. They gave me, like, 28 or something, you know, um, just so I could go out and try to play with the guys, you know. Um, clinics in the morning and it was around every afternoon. Um, so when I got done um, with that with that time, we did a big final thing out at the Ritz Carlton, and um, he gave me all my clubs. And I, I went out and I actually played a match play against a, a couple of the guys from the UK and uh, and a wounded Marine, um, a US guy for my teammate. And I had the greatest time, and I. I came back and uh, Mr. Simpson, John Simpson, um, he came up to me and he said, I'd like to invite you to a qualifier this year. 
I go, I'm the worst guy out here. And they're like, well, yeah. <laughs> but you've been playing golf for a week. You've been playing golf for a week, and he said you finished five strokes behind the last place guy with a made-up handicap. Mm-hmm. And those, that started making me think a little bit, and I and I declined the opportunity. And I told him if he would have me back next year, I would. I, and this was May of seventeen. And I said if if you'll let me come back next year, I said I'll go home and get some clubs, and um, and I'll start practicing, and I'll come back and I'll shoot into a qualifier. And he goes, okay, deal. Uh, and that's where the journey really began. Um, that's where a lot of things in my life started changing. Um, the drinking, the going out, the, the you know, just all the bad stuff that you as people like myself go through and, you know, a lot of other veterans go through. <clears throat> and instead of going out on Friday or Saturday night and drinking, it, I put all my time into going to the range early in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd get out there at 7 in the morning. And I would I would sit out there for hours, and then I would go play nine holes, you know. And I did that every day. Um, I was I, I had started going through the retirement process, but I didn't have to go into work really, you know. Just make my doctor's appointment uh, going through retirement. Uh, but through that, um, I, I'm proud to say um, I had my last drink in December of 2017. I started I stopped drinking. I stopped. You know, just doing all that stuff, and I started realizing I, I can go out and practice and play, and I can be done by, you know, one in the afternoon, two in the afternoon, and I can spend the rest of the day with my family, and I feel better. <laughs> um, so that, well, that's where it started. No, that's fine. Uh, you know, I, I look back and you know, listening to you, and I'm listening to your story, and I think of the gentleman um, who you know, took you out on the golf course, a challenging, difficult golf course. I don't know if you realize this looking back now, but he was actually setting you up for success because he obviously knew that who you were and, and your thought process, obviously as a, a, a soldier and, and somebody with military training and obviously somebody, I mean, I don't know to what extent he knew everything, but um, he knew that by taking you out there, even though, you know, dumping all these these golf balls on you, uh, knowing that you were probably not going to come back with most of them, but knowing the drive and the intensity of the individual that you were, that you were going to get bitten by the bug and you're going to want to chase after this. And he was exactly right. The very next day, he took you down and you were, were out on the, on the practice range. Um, and one thing that I have found, I've had the, the pleasure of, of knowing uh, a number of uh, veterans over the years uh, that have sort of followed your footsteps, taking up the game. And many of them felt the same way, you know, after their deployments. And I've known some some individuals who uh, were obviously a lot older than both you and I, but uh, fought in the Second World War and, uh, you know, had also come back with maybe some injuries or what have you. And, you know, they've taken up this game. And, they found that what it did for them, as I imagine it has done for you, is it gave them, you know, when you're in the mindset that you were as a soldier, your your challenge each and every day is to complete certain tasks. When that's taken away from you for whatever reason, it's very easy. You mentioned this earlier. You talked about how, you know, you didn't know really what to do, and of course, Automatic default is you, you go to, to certain vices and things that, 
that uh, offer a certain level of, of comfort or distraction. But once you rekindle that through the help of this gentleman and obviously through Mr. Simpson with uh, OnCourse, uh, you've now repurposed um, John Gowdy, and you found yes. a new purpose. Mm-hmm. And it, it, so, it. right, and so many veterans, um, once they come to that realization, you were obviously very fortunate that you had the, the perseverance and the determination to do that, and now you're paying it back by working through the organization, and we're going to talk about that now. But um, this is something that I think is extremely important for any veterans that might be listening or any even uh, current active military. You know, you're in sort of a box momentarily throughout your life and your career as a soldier, uh, airman, or what have you, uh, and you've got a specific task and duty to perform. Once that's been removed and that's no longer available for whatever reason, whether it's voluntary or involuntary, it's very difficult to figure, okay, what do I do now? And golf has been, and this is what I want you to talk, golf has been something, a respite for you, if you will. It's given you a new drive, a new purpose, and a new challenge. It's given you the opportunity to challenge yourself. uh, And what I'm going to tell you right now, uh, being around golf for as many years as I have, and I've been around for a long time, it is going to frustrate the heck out of you each and every day. But at the same time, there is no greater reward um, then when a well-struck golf shot or you sink that birdie putt or even your first hole-in-one. Um, and it's going to frustrate the heck out of you on days, John, but then other days it's going to create a euphoria you couldn't even imagine. I want to talk about on the OnCourse Foundation. Uh, you obviously got introduced to it. They helped you tremendously overcome some challenges that you were facing, and now you're working with them. How did you become... Uh, in the position that you are with them where you're now uh, a a national program director for that organization. How did that come about? So, so um, you know, through that, you know, uh, leading into that, um, off that story I was saying was, is, you know, I showed up and, and I, I showed up the following year as a 10 handicap in one year. And um, I, I, I did extremely well. You know, and I I spent all that time, you know, every day I was texting the coaches and I was texting other guys in the foundation, you know, and I was I was learning from them. Um, when I actually got out, I, I moved to Orlando for a little bit, and then, then I just spent all my time there, and I actually attended the Golf Academy of Orlando, um, you know, of America there in Orlando. So I started mm-hmm. working on my business degree from there, you know, from there, and getting to play and, and learn golf and, and meet some really other great coaches and players. And I really engulfed myself in that, you know. And then after making the team in 19, and I, I played at St. Andrews, I played extremely well, and things started changing. Um, so when I got to that point, um, you know, the opportunity arised, and I, and, uh, I was able to this year. Um, Mr. Simpson and then Sean Whitmore and those guys, um, they called me and asked me if I'd be interested. You know, I had the background. Um, I'm currently playing off of a four. Um, I went through their program that they offer. So they offer this program, Introduction to Golf, Come to Work Clinics, you know, start learning about the golf industry. You know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. If you follow the program that they have set in place, and then they help people get employment in the golf industry. So, 
you know, I, I, I worked a normal program management job for a while for a large defense contractor, you know, while I was going through this. And then earlier this year, I was in a situation where I could actually retire again, focus on golf, and um, started working as a custom fitter at a, at, a, at a shop over here, you know, down here in Florida. So I do custom mm-hmm. club fittings. I do club repair. And, and now I get to work for Encore. You know, so, you know, following the program that they put into place and, and you know, my passion for golf and, and um, you know, just wanting to help others. And, and that's kind of where it started, um, honestly, um, you know, um, based on just on my personality. And uh, that, that's how I ended up. They asked me if I wanted to come on board. I'd work with Sean, you know, here in the U.S. And um, we set up some regions, and I think the first 30 days, I'd already had two clinics put in, you know, in new areas. Um, I was down in Texas, um, you know, other places here in Florida, you know, Alabama, uh, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And I I really engulfed myself in it because why going out and hitting a great shot and playing well and, 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 and just going through the processes, you know, of these, um, I found a just a a really good just satisfaction, and it, it it put me in a happy place when I would see these guys come out. You know, new golfers come out, or even experienced golfers, and they and they, the camaraderie that they had with each other, and um, the fact that they were comfortable. You know, um, so that that's kind of just where it started, and then and the passion is still the same. You know, it's still golf, and I get to now I get to like you said, you know, um, you know, return the, return the opportunity, you know, give back. Well, it's helping to redirect your, your efforts, your personal journey, if you will. And I just want to, for the folks that, um, that aren't familiar with the OnCourse Foundation, just a little bit about the history. Um, the OnCourse Foundation USA was officially launched back in 2013 as a charity solely for American service members and veterans. Uh, you've mentioned John Simpson a couple times. Uh, so I just want to let the folks know who he is. Uh, he is the founder, of course, and uh, he visited uh, the British Defense Medical Rehabilitation Center at uh, Headley uh, Court in England back in June 2009 and was certainly moved by what he saw and heard. Uh, and after an ever-increasing number of patients were receiving treatment at the Headley Court, uh, many of whom were amputees, he spoke to the patients about the uh, opportunities in golf and related this to his own life experience. Um, and so obviously, you know, I know from a teaching standpoint and a playing standpoint that golf uh, certainly can be very, very therapeutic. And I think this is why we're starting to see so many of the veterans and even, uh, you know, some service members. Uh, your story is a little bit different. You didn't really get introduced to, to golf, uh, certainly uh, at an earlier age. Um, but, you know, some maybe played before they, they uh, enlisted in service and uh, stopped temporarily because of, you know, injuries like you've, you've sustained, uh, but then found their way back. And, you know, many of the different programs out there, and OnCourse is one of them, um, has come out there through the foundation and really said, okay, this is a way that we can utilize golf and use it as a vessel to do two things, bring back some fun and enjoyment in the lives of people who, who certainly have earned it, uh, but also show them that just because they may be currently faced with some challenges and may even uh, be faced with those challenges moving forward, um, that their life doesn't suddenly come to a screeching halt. 
And I think that this is what they've done. And there's a lot of different things. Maybe you can touch on a few things. Uh, there's a lot of different golf events that are ne- being offered through OnCourse uh, Foundation and also even some employment uh, opportunities and services through there as well. And maybe you can touch on the Simpson Cup just a little bit as well. Of course. Of course. Um, so, yeah, um, Bon and I set up uh, events, you know, anywhere from one day to seven events um, um, all over the U.S. You know, like I mentioned earlier, we're expanding out to new uh, areas and, you know, trying to bring the 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 foundation, you know, to, to new members, you know, open it up to more guys and, and, and ladies and, uh, you, you know, just grow. And through that, I mean, we, we do like our one day clinics, um, that we do, you know, it's, it's, it's come in the morning. Um, you know, you get a two, three hour clinic with, uh, the course pro and maybe an assistant or whatnot, you know, 10, 15 guys, um, have some lunch, pair off, go play 18, you know, make it some type of, you know, match play, you know, fun, you know, make it fun for them. Uh, and that's just our basic one day. We like to use that like an introduction into the organization, get them signed in, you know, kind of draw them into it. Um, then we have our, th- you know, our three-day events. It's a little bit more in detail, a little bit more clinic, um, things like that. Then we have what we call like our work experience. And we've been blessed to have some really great um, sponsors in in that and opportunities provided, you know, um, Charles Schwab, the PNC, you know, um, there in Orlando, but the, the Charles Schwab uh, Challenge in, in, uh, down there in Dallas, um, KPMG. Um, and these events is where we actually take the, the members and we'll take a group of them that want to come, and we actually – introduce them into that part of the game you know uh, they can they can shadow the superintendents and the ground crew you know we'll have them work in the ranges we'll have them come in and set up work with the pro or the you know the event staff you know anything that they need we've had guys caddying and pro-ams um you know just just to get them into the um you know, show them the different parts of the game and and hope that maybe they, you know, it it intrigues them enough, you know. Um, And that's been extremely successful. Um, We have the Patriots program. So if we can't get to a spot or we don't have events, members can apply, um, make contact with their local course or their PGA professional, and we'll actually pay for a number of lessons to get them going, you know. So that way, when we do have events and they're ready to come to some events, you know, they're they're excited about coming. Um, and that's that's, you know, that that's a big one. And then of course we still do the seven day, and it was an honor actually because I got to run. Um, my first large event was the seven day event that we do in Orlando, and that was the very first event that I attended. So I got to run the first one, you know, the first event that I got to go to. And uh, I really uh, got in there and I, I had a different part of the or, of the industry every day. You know, they did an hour or so with them. You know, we it ranged from the Marriott upper management, you know, talking hospitality management, things like that, more of the, the, the administrative part. Um, the pro shop, uh, we had a, a demo day where Callaway came out and they set up all their tents and all their trashmans and all their stuff 
and we had all the vets out there and, and, you know, they got to see what those guys do, you know, on the manufacturing side and um, fittings. We had a full day of fittings and, and, uh, you know, we had club fitters out there with all their stuff. And uh, it was really great to see that, you know, and that's, that's our big seven day. You know, the guys go through the program. You had mentioned the Simpson Cup. The guys go through the program. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that they have to meet to qualify to get to a qualifier. You know, they have to attend at least one event. They have to, you know, they have to shoot a certain handicap. They have to, you know, so there's goals for them. You know, we talked mm-hmm. about goals. So they have goals, you know. Right. Um, that proverbial standing out there like, what do I need to do? <laughs> um and that's what got me, you know. I, I'm in there, and I, you know, I watched the guys and uh, the relationships I had, and I'm like, they come out and they got all this nice stuff. They're playing these great golf courses. They're playing a Ryder Cup format against, you know, the international guys, uh, you know, on golf courses that the average person can't get on, you know. And I'm like, I want that, you know. I want to do that, and that's what started mm-hmm. that drive. You know? And so, in hopes of doing that. But once they do that, then they get invited to a qualifier. They can sign up for it. We invite them to the qualifier. And we try to have, you know, three to five, um, depending on how many applicants that we have, you know, that want to try to, to make it in. And and they're held in various spots, you know, the northeast, southeast. You know, um, you know, COVID kind of put a slowdown last year's qualifiers, obviously, you know, coming in. Um, but, um, you know, we're hoping to add maybe a couple more this year. Um, but the guys come in, um, they get a practice round, a pro-am, a sponsor's day, and, you know, and then from there, it's, it's two day, it's a two, you know, two, a uh, two round qualifier and it's all modified Stableford. So they're not playing each other. They're playing, they're, they're playing the course and they're playing to their handicap. You know, we want to see the guy that can come in and, and shoot his number, you know? And they take the top, you know, one, two, three guys, depending on how many we're doing, and that's that's the team. You know, there's a founder's pick, and then you have a captain's pick um, that comes on. So that's how that's how the Simpson Cup comes. That you know, that's how we put our team together. And uh, like I said, it's a Ryder Cup format. Um, they take 13 guys from the U.S. You know, injured vets. They take 13 uh, injured vets from the U.K. And uh, we get to meet up and, um, you know, compete, you know, four ball and individual. So I was lucky enough. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. So I was lucky enough my first time on the Simpson Cup when I made the team in 19. um, I think I went in as a seven my second year playing golf and I made the team as a seven. And I actually got to go to, um, I found myself standing on the tee box for my first practice round with this surly, you know, St. Andrew's caddy (laughs) um, (laughs) on on my birthday, you know, of all days. And I'm standing here at the home of golf, my playing golf, and I'm standing at the home of golf getting ready to play a practice round, you know. Um, And it, it was surreal, you know. And I don't think I stopped smiling. It's probably why I played so well because I don't think I could have been in a bad mood. I didn't really care if I hit a good shot or bad shot. Just smiling. <laughs> well, and that you know that's really what it's all about. You know, for those of us that have played um, 
you know, and have been exposed to the game for a long time. That's the secret that we've known for a long time. And the rest of you who, who came a little bit later on obviously learned very quickly as well. And it's not always about, um, you know, obviously we all strive for that well-struck golf shot, but it's just the the friendships, the camaraderie, the, uh, you know, sort of the kibitzing, if you will, among your fellow uh, teammates and players and, and, you know, foursomes, what have you. Um, it's just fun. If you make it fun, and obviously there's a challenge to it, which adds to, just makes it that much sweeter. Um, but really it's all about having fun. I want to mention something because I think this is uniquely uh, important that I want to bring out about this. And obviously um, since its inception, um, the Encore Foundation uh, was obviously, and for notable reasons, was very proud to call um, the, the late Arnold Palmer, also known as the King, as a patron. And I want to read something out here uh, on the site uh, that I think is very important and, and part of the explains part of the reason why um, you know, this wasn't just a ceremonial thing or something to say, hey, you know, we've got Arnold. Um, he was a former yeoman in the Coast Guard. Uh, he always had time for others, as, as I'm sure uh, anybody that's followed the game knows, uh, and said the following on uh, in April 2011. Uh, he met a small number of injured servicemen in Orlando through On Course, uh, and he uh, goes on to say he was profoundly moved and hugely impressed by their courage and determination facing what seems to be enormous adversity. Uh, golf has been such a huge part of his life, and to see that uh, his you know, beloved game uh, can be used as an integral tool in the rehab of soldiers from around the world uh, fills him with a tremendous amount of pride. And I can tell you, coming from Arnold Palmer, uh, that is sincere. Uh, he was deeply honored to be a patron of an organization that crosses all political and religious barriers in supporting those who have given so much to their respective countries at such high personal and emotional cost. And it was a, 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 general, a genuine excuse me, privilege to be able to support and highlight the growing number of courageous individuals who are too often forgotten. Uh, and, of course, we uh, were sad to, to see Arnold pass uh, uh, September 25th of 2016. He was 87, uh, but obviously hit a mass. Tell us how, you know, now that you're more intricately involved with the organization, how that makes you feel and how the organization obviously has to be very proud of being able to call the king, Arnold Palmer, a patron of your organization. Um, somebody who obviously uh, on some level could relate. Uh, he, as I said, he was involved with the Coast Guard, so he did have uh, some service. Um, but that obviously has to send, resonate a certain element of pride through your organization to know that he was felt uh, and had such a fond um, memory and, and uh, admiration of uh, on course. Uh, I mean, it, it does. I mean, you know, golf. Um, you know, golf is very similar. You know, in a lot of ways to, like I said, the military. You know, you have legacy, you have history. I don't know if you can get much more of a legacy in history than someone like you know Arnold Palmer had, and and, and the impact right. in golf that he. You know, and for. John Simpson to come up with this idea and provide the platform and the opportunities for, you know, for us veterans are, uh, you know, to, to come and, you know, uh, figure out a, a path, you know, a potential path using this game. And a lot of the, 
you know, um, the etiquette and, and stuff is really preached because, you know, we all care about it. We all care about the game. We all care about on course and we care about, you know, the reputation and, and, and the things that, you know, people should care about, you know, what's the legacy here? What are we doing? You know? Um, and with that thought process, we have a lot of guys that just absolutely, um, love the organization, you know, um, you know, they do a lot of things on their own to help the organization. Um, you know, the the relationships that are they're formed not only with the vets, but then, you know, other, you know, past and current, you know, PGA players, you know. Um, we get to be up around them. You know, you go to these events, you see them. You know, they, they, they'll remember your name. They talk to you. And, and it just goes to show that the type of people – you know, that, that plagued the game of golf um, is second to none. You know, um, the places I've been and the people I've met are some of the best in the world, you know, and the best people I've ever met is through this game. You know, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I I wasn't involved enough to meet Arnold, but I, I've met a lot of other, you know, um, guys, you know, past and current players. And, th- and it's the same on both uh, sides, you know. Um, I've been blessed enough to play um, in the Pro-Am the last few years at Valspar. I've played at sponsors things at the Players and the Am-Am at the Players, you know, the last couple years. I got my first hole-in-one at the Players in 21. Um, you wow. Know, uh, playing in the sponsors tournament out there, you know. Um, the, I won the long drive and uh, I actually got to meet, you know, Brad Saxon and Rory and those guys out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the the legacy and the um, and, and and what it means it it's something that you want to cherish and you don't want to tarnish you know so the sportsmanship right. and the etiquette and the compassion of the game um, it oversees the actual competition you know and it's right. never more prevalent when you when you're in the Simpson Cup and you're playing and you meet the people my first Simpson Cup half the European team was. At the first event I ever went to. So they hadn't seen me in two years. And I showed up as a seven playing great, you know, and they came up and was like giving me a hug and, man, it's great to see you. And I'm still close friends with all of them. You know, you see it, you know, um, perfect example this year at Baltus Raw, you know, new guy on the European team, I'm playing him um, in singles. Um, he gets a little sideways on the first hole. And you can kind of see his eyes going everywhere, you know. Um, and I look at him, and uh, I, I just I conceded the hole, and we pushed. You know what I mean? Or I didn't concede it, but I just right. I, I hey, you want to take this to second? You know, hole two, and we'll start over. You right. know, and he's like, he was like, big smile, big sigh of relief, you know. Um, and later, that was re, that was actually. Um, replayed so I got down and I was down five and I came back we got into 16 and I was a little past him I was a little outside of him but I was going to give him the line if I missed it the match was over you know um and I would have given him the line um he looks at me and he goes you're down two he's like you just want to take this 17 and see what happens and I you know I it wasn't warranted it wasn't asked it wasn't he just looked at me and he goes let's just take it to 17 and see what happens, you know. Um, and I won 17, and we had to play 18, you know. 
even though I had lost that match, um, him and I, 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 the competition was good, um, but we smiled and laughed most of the time. And, and I mean, and it got competitive at the end. Don't get me wrong. You know, right. at, at not point during that match, did we ever do anything malicious? It was all smiles. It was all laughs. It was, you know, um, you see, you see another veteran, you know, uh, struggling with something you, you want to help them, you know, you want to ask them, you know, Hey, are you okay? You know, Hey, breathe you know, just hit a good shot. You know what I mean? Like you, you want to help them do right. that. And well, and it, I and it saw, goes, yeah. And it, it, it goes, I'm, I'm sorry. I, go ahead. Finish it. No, no, no. I was just saying I saw a lot of that, you know, and that's what, that's what's special to me about it. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you're right. That's exactly what it's all about. And, and I think that as, you know, those of us in, in golf and those of us that have, have uh, served in military, which uh, I had as well uh, some years ago, and what I learned is the camaraderie um, crosses both groups, as you mentioned. You know, in the military, you obviously, uh, there's a certain camaraderie and a trust and, and, and that that you have and a certain respect that you develop for one another. And the same thing out in the golf course. And I think that's one of the things, too, that it's not just the challenge of the game, but I think that's one of the things that attracts a lot of um, current and former military to the game is a, a mutual respect. And Arnold was very uh, good at that uh, in his day. Like, it didn't matter. I remember something very similar, a very quick story. Uh, back, I believe it was in uh, early U.S. Open that uh, Jack Nicklaus got into. And Arnold, of course, was already established as the king. And Jack was a little bit, uh, you know, chunky in those days, a little chunker than what he is now. And, uh, you know, the fans, everybody, Arnie's armory was, you know, uh, in, in the Arnold camp. And he got, uh, Nicholas got razzed a lot uh, walking around the course. And at the end of the tournament, you know, Arnold put his arm around him and just said, you know, Jack, basically what he was doing was signaling the fans that, you know, he was welcoming Jack Nicholas into the fold, if you will. And from that point on, um, you know, Nicholas became uh, a favorite as well. Um, but it, again, it goes to that, just that kindness and, and whatnot and generosity on Arnold's part, because again, they were competitive. They were competitive all their lives, both on the course and off the course. But uh, obviously, they uh, they learned to uh, still be uh, gentlemen uh, in every respect. I want to touch on a couple things, because we're getting close to our, our time uh, to end this, but a uh, couple things. For those that want to donate, there's some uh, great opportunities uh, to the OnCourse Foundation, uh, really a gift of any size, but just a, a couple things. It's not uh, always just a straight donation. There's a, a method to their madness, and a couple of things just to give you an idea is uh, for as little as $60 pays for an hour's instruction uh, for one member. So if somebody wants to uh, you know, get some uh, you know, on hands-on instruction, uh, your donation can help them do that. Uh, there's also uh, can pay for uh, uh, for 115 dollars. You can pay for the attendance of one individual at an introductory golf and employment event. Uh, so there's other options there. I won't read them all um, that they can do. So it's not just strictly a straight do donation. Of course, you can do that as well. Uh, but if you want to donate something specific, uh, there's a number of different options available. And also something too, which really uh, caught my eye as well when I was preparing uh, is uh, you guys also have club donation program as well 
which I think is is great. Obviously, not everybody uh, necessarily has a, a set of clubs and whatnot. So there's an opportunity for folks to, uh, uh, you know, to to be able to donate uh, there as well. And there's a whole uh, process, a uh, on course uh, foundation uh, form, if you will, that you can fill out for that. But uh, you know, so there's a lot of great opportunities to participate uh, in helping out uh, some folks that certainly have done their duty to um, serve this nation in, in a variety of different capacities that uh, are sort of some cases finding their way back to a road of recovery, and this is a great way to help them. So there's a lot of ways that you can donate, and uh, and also, um, you know, uh, I don't know, there may be even some opportunities to volunteer at some of the uh, events as well. Um, that's something that you can certainly inquire about and look into as well. But um, John, is there any final thoughts as we get ready to wrap up that you want to uh, express? Uh, I'm going to give the uh, website out here in just a moment, but anything else that you want to express about OnCourse uh, and what uh, some of the other things that they may quickly uh, offer as well? Uh, yes. Um, so first off, um, you're exactly right. You know, the OnCourse Foundation reaches out in many other ways than just getting some guys out playing golf. You know, they provide... They provide a platform. They provide the structure. They provide the learning tools um, for us to 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 get back out, you know. And then the, as the guys move on, they you know they teach you also a lot just from the coaches and the people that are involved. You know, um, you'll hear a lot of us talk. You know, um, you know, golf golf is a game of emotions. You can play at the same time, the same course, with this with the same equipment every day. And every day is different because it's based on your mind. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so we really try to preach the, you know, if if you can't go out and enjoy yourself in, a, in, in something that's meant to be fun and control your emotions in a game that's supposed to be fun, how can you expect to control your emotions in life? You know, it's just mm-hmm. a shot. It's, just, it's, it, it's, it's, it's much more than just going out and playing games, you know, um, a, a simple game, but uh, the on course they 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 are changing lives. You know, you follow the program, you get involved. It truly is a family. Um, you know, um, it's a very close knit family, and and the relationships that we have, have formed, you know, um, through the program, it, it does change lives. And uh, I just want people to understand that. You know, it's just not a show up, play golf one day, and never hear from us again. You know. We have um, we have a, a hiring manager that helps with job placement, so you can work one on one with a placement you know manager. Um, tell them what you like. So um, that's that's really kind of my final thoughts about that. Um, you know, again, Ted, I I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, getting a chance to speak to you, and uh, I've enjoyed it. Well, I appreciate it, and just. Uh, I'm going to add a few uh, final uh, quick thoughts here as well, and then I'll give out the uh, website information for those that want to uh, look into it further. Um, You know, the OnCourse Foundation vision is really to use the game of golf as a vehicle for successful recovery. Uh, Their goal is for all members to achieve a positive outcome. Uh, For some, a positive outcome will arise merely through development, uh, developing golf skills, building personal confidence, and sharing experiences with uh, like-minded individuals. Uh, ultimately, uh, their ultimate aim, rather, is to help uh, their members secure work experience uh, opportunities and, in some cases, maybe leading to long-term 
meaningful careers uh, even in the golf industry if that's uh, something that they desire. So as you're right, it's not just about going out and playing the game of golf, but actually uh, creating opportunities that maybe even getting involved in an industry that uh, uh, they may choose to do so. And uh, that's what the OnCourse Foundation, part of what they're doing uh, is uh, to make that uh, uh, dream, if you will, uh, realized for many of its uh, members. And the website, as I mentioned, is OnCourseFoundationUSA.org. That's OnCourseFoundationUSA.org. All of the information is there, whether you want to do a straight donation, whether you want to do donate to a specific thing, or if you're an organization or individual that maybe uh, has some clubs that you want to donate as well, there's an opportunity to do that as well. But, uh, John, I want to thank you for coming on the program tonight. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we were able to uh, reconnect and um, and get on here. And uh, one other final note I want to ask you. Um, I noticed in some of the notes, and I'm assuming that it's uh, fairly up to date, uh, do I understand correctly that you are in the Destin, Florida area? Yes, I am. You are correct. Okay. I am actually live in Panama City Beach, so I'm just down a stone's throw away from you. So the reason why I wanted yep. to mention that is uh, I will make a point uh, if you uh, maybe after the show, if you want to email me uh, your contact number or something, um, what we'll do is over the next several weeks, I will make a point of reaching out and uh, maybe I can uh, uh, take a jaunt if you're going to be available at some point uh, down to Destin and we can maybe grab some lunch or something together. Um, and some other things I wanted to talk to you yeah, talk to you about as well. So um, we'll, we'll set that up sometime, hopefully over the next couple of weeks. But uh, I want to thank you. Uh, very, and, and you're also, I think, in one of the fishing capitals, as I recall as well. Destin has some great fishing. I don't know if you're a fisherman or not, but uh, uh, I'm, that I'm might be something a, in addition. I'm more, to... I'm more of a scuba diver. I like I like going out diving. I like oh. spear fishing. Um, but most of my time is really, um, you know, golf. Uh, I practice. Uh, I live on a golf course here. You know, out at Windswept Dunes. Um, you know, I work okay. in Destin. I'm out at San Destin. Um, beach and golf resort out there um so that's pretty much where i spend most of my time outside of work um you know but i i do if i if i had other hobbies outside of it i, I love diving um, i love being around the water i'm not opposed to going out and fishing i just <laughs> no i I, yeah, I just wondered uh well i didn't realize you're actually even closer than i thought if you're up at windswept dunes i've played that course over the years a number of times and that's a tough challenge yeah. let me tell you it's a lot uh, at one point, I don't think it still is now, but at one point uh, they bragged as one of the longest uh, golf courses in the state of Florida. I think it was at that time it was pushing about 7,800 plus yards from the tip. So right. that's a that's a yeah that's a beast. <laughs> yeah, 890 right now, and they're actually I think they lost that title by about 40 yards. So I think they're going to slide a couple of tee boxes back. <laughs> right, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. So maybe we'll 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 get together uh, uh, since you're a little bit closer than I thought. But John, I want to thank you for very much uh, for coming on the show again. And again, for those that uh, would maybe like to, uh, maybe some veterans that are tuning into the show tonight that currently are not involved, uh, maybe want to get involved with the OnCourse Foundation. Uh, again, you can go to OnCourseFoundationUSA.org uh, and uh, get a chance to meet some great uh, uh, fellow. Uh, uh, Military vets uh, like John uh, Gowdy here uh, joining me on the program. 
uh, you get a chance to meet him and many others as well and, and have some laughs and some good times together and, and uh, maybe uh, either tune up a, an existing golf game or maybe learn how to play the game for the very first time. But either way, you're going to be doing some, some uh, great work uh, with a, a wonderful organization. And if the king puts a stamp of approval on an organization, you know it's got to be good. So, John, again, thank you very much for joining me on uh, Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you're welcome to come back anytime, and, and maybe we can uh, get uh, 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 Mr. Simpson to come on uh, as well in a future show, and we can talk about some other things as well. But uh, thank you for joining me tonight. I appreciate it. And uh, send me that information, and I'll be in touch with you in the next couple of weeks. I will. Thank you, Ted. All right. I appreciate it. You have a great evening. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, John Gowdy. Uh, National Programs Director for the OnCourse Foundation and a great organization helping many of the, the veterans. And also I want to thank uh, my earlier uh, guests this week. As I mentioned, we didn't have a Coach's Corner tonight because I had uh, these uh, three guests coming on. Uh, Adam Geisler, uh, co-founder and CEO of the Youth Athletes, Athletes United and TGM Premier Sports, and as well as uh, Dave Robinson, uh, one of the owners and chapter directors of TGA Premier Sports and TGA uh, golf, and if you go to playtga.com, you'll find their website there if you're interested in some of the uh, after-school programs or some of the summer camps, that sort of thing, uh, uh, or maybe even interested in becoming a, a franchisee uh, with TGA Premier Sports. Uh, they've got some great uh, opportunities there, so make sure you check them out. All right, next week we'll be back with another great show. Coach, Coach's Corner, of course, will be back, and uh, also another great uh, guest that I will interview on the second half, so hope you join me. God bless everybody, and have a great weekend. We'll see you next time here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel, and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.